I'm Brandon Reed, and you're listening to Real Estate for the Rest of Us, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of real estate investing. I want to cut through all the industry jargon and instead serve up actionable and unintimidating information that you can use in your own real estate journey. I interview real estate professionals, and we talk about their real-life experiences. It's real simple. Now let's get into the show. In today's episode, we dig into a recent deal that my wife and I just closed on. It's our first house hack. I keep it pretty in line with the feel of the show and keep things super informal. This is literally just me kind of recalling the entire process into the microphone. I walk through some of the key pieces of the deal, uh, what we did wrong, what went right, and what we learned to do differently next time. This is the first deal that my wife and I have ever done, so there was a lot that we did kind of hanging on by our fingernails, but hopefully I'm able to pull some insights from the whirlwind and share something that you can relate to. I'd love to answer questions. If you would like some more info on any part of the deal in particular, I'm an open book, so feel free to reach out. You can find my email address on the blog post for this episode, or you can leave your question in a comment there as well. You can find the post on the show's website, realestatefortherestofus.com. Hope you enjoy it, guys. All right, we have a little bit of a special episode here today. Normally, as um, any of my regular listeners know, we will have guests on the show who come on, they share their perspective and insight on their specific areas of expertise in real estate, no matter what that might be. Um, we have a, we've had a wide range of expertise so far on the show. Um, and yeah, they usually come on and share their perspective. But today, uh, we do not have an expert. We have me. <laughs> we have your host. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, and talk through a deal uh, that we just did that me and my wife just walked through. And, you know, as I as I looked uh, online before I had my podcast and as I was getting um, involved in real estate, learning the real estate world, I was looking for people, like regular people who did regular deals that weren't um, home runs. They didn't knock it out of the ballpark on their first try. Realistic numbers, uh, achievable results. I just, I, it was hard to find. I, I was always finding people who talked about the best deals or or even the worst deals. It feels like even people will talk about those, but just a run of the mill, mill deal, like just people out there doing deals. It was, it, it's hard to find. Um, that's one of the reasons that uh, specifically local real estate associations, I think are so valuable is you can find that if you plug in there and you talk to just normal everyday people who are out there doing deals at a normal pace with normal numbers. Um, you know, sometimes you do have to sift through some stuff there as well. But a lot of times you can just get like, yeah, honest answers and honest insights. So that's what I'm trying to provide today. I'm just going to talk about the deal. I'm going to break it down a little bit. I wrote some questions here, some things that I thought, okay, what would I have wanted to know um, when I was going, when I was learning? What would, what are just the basic things I would have wanted to know? Sometimes as I was listening to podcasts, someone would give an answer and I'd be like, yeah, but, but really, how did you, how did you do that? Like, tell me practically. And hopefully I can provide some of that here for people listening. Um, again, I'm certainly not an expert. This is actually the first deal, uh, that me or my wife have, have done. And it's been years and years in the making. So this was not overnight. Um, and yeah, I have no idea how long it's going to take to do our next one. Hopefully not years and years. Oh Lord, hopefully not years and years, but, um, yeah, let's let's start digging right in. So 
we just uh, completed our first deal with a um, with an FHA loan, with a homeowner's loan, because we're going to live in it. Um, as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, that's called house hacking. It's one of the things it's called, um, where you uh, purchase a home with a homeowner's loan so you can get in with a low down payment. Uh, you move in. Uh, usually the term of the loan, depending on which one you use, um, the conditions, I guess, of the loan say that you have to live in the home for a year. I think it's different depending on the loan you use, but we use an FHA and we're in Florida. Um, and so that's all I can speak to. And it's a year. So we need to live in the house for a year. And once we've lived in it for uh, the year, we can then do whatever we want with it. We can rent it out. Out to tenants, we can uh, sell it retail as a flip, um, whatever we want to do. But what what uh, buying it with a homeowner's loan allows you to do primarily is get in with low down payment. While I and I are young, uh, we don't have a ton of cash right now. Um, it young in in my career, and so we are. Uh, yeah, we did, we defined it another way. We, you know, you read and you see all over. There is ways to get started in real estate without any of your money, no money down, no 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 cash out of your pocket, which is totally true. I'm re I'm really not here to say that's not a possibility, but it what it hadn't been for us. Um, it, it it is even in our area. We just haven't found success. We've done we did so many of the strategies and different things um, to to try to make that happen with creative to try to make our deal happen with creative financing. And I'm sure in the future, I hope we can do some with creative financing. No money down. No uh, no money out of pocket. Um, but we just couldn't pull that off uh, uh, for this one, or at least we we hadn't yet. Um, so we started looking, we've been renting, uh, for the last, we've been married for six, seven years now. And we've been renting, uh, since we got married, to be honest, I was not in a hurry to buy a home. I wanted to do it the right way. I really wanted to get an investment property before I bought at least two or three investment properties before I purchased my own. Um, but that didn't work out. So we just thought, all right, we need, let's, we, we were always interested in house hacking, to be honest, ever since we started learning real estate, I guess like four or five years ago, um, that just really appealed to us. So we started looking to, for multifamilies. That is a super powerful way to get involved in real estate, um, through with the vehicle of house hacking is buying a multifamily. This is just, it just makes sense. You buy a multifamily, you rent out the unit you're not using. So let's just say a duplex to keep things simple. You buy a duplex, you rent out the other half, you live in one. And if you get the numbers right, if you buy it right, that um, that second unit could pay your mortgage. It could make you whole every month. Uh, it's not always that easy. Those are pretty good numbers. So sometimes whatever, like say, your rent is uh, 1300 or your um your mortgage is 1300 and the other the other unit's rent is you know after everything you take uh, you know a 1000 home that's a $300 mortgage every month and that's super powerful that's what we wanted to do over that year that we lived buy it with a a homeowner's loan for low money down we would uh, we would make money for, we'd stow away what we would be paying in mortgage every month. And then by the end of the year, we'd have enough for another down payment on another one. And we, that just sounds, I don't know, just makes sense to me. Sounds really powerful. And then the day you move out, you start cash flowing your unit. Um, that felt just like the right step for our family. So we looked and looked and looked for multifamilies, couldn't find them anywhere, guys. We struck out. I'm, I'm telling you, it's been like four or five years. And we've done different strategies, looked for different types of ways to get started in real estate. But the through line, like the entire time we've been looking for a multifamily property to live in and house hack. Um, and we got really close, believe it or not, on our very first direct marketing campaign years ago, 
we got a bite, we got a seller, we got through um, uh, inspection period, we got all the way through appraisal, it didn't quite appraise, and the seller wasn't very motivated, so they moved on. And we were like, well, we only sent out one mailing campaign, and we got a we got a deal just there. So it couldn't be too hard, but turns out it's it's very hard. Um, and we haven't gotten near that close uh, since then, specifically on a multifamily. We have on others, but not on a multifamily. And uh, we we have multifamily, we have inventory, actually a lot of inventory in our area of Central Florida, which is Claremont, uh, Mineola, kind of that Groveland area. Uh, we have a lot of inventory, but nothing available. People are holding onto their properties here. It's a really, uh, it's a great area to be at. People are moving here. The economy is doing really, really well here locally. And um, businesses are moving here and people are holding onto their properties. They're cash flowing. And so nothing was getting listed. And when I say nothing, I'm serious, guys. Like one, two, three a year uh, were getting listed and they were getting snatched up immediately uh, for cash offers over asking price almost right away. And we obviously didn't have that to bring to the table and it was really hard to get. Um, but, uh, and, and so so it was either that um, or we were trying to get them to them off market. And uh, we just had a really hard time doing that. Uh, I, I have a, uh, a regular job, a nine to five job, um, that, and I'm not planning on quitting it. I love my job. And so I did, I, I don't have a ton of time to dedicate to finding properties off market, even what we were able to, which we spent a really solid amount of time. We really pushed hard to find a property off market and couldn't. So anyways, all that to say, um, we shifted our focus to single family. There's plenty of inventory, available inventory here um, of single family. And we just thought, all right, I, st- I still believe that a multifamily house hack is the most powerful way to get started in real estate, but it's just not, a po- um, it was not likely in our area. And we've been trying and trying. We, uh, we are still looking to be honest, we would, we would move in one, um, next year, as soon as this, this, uh, this deal was done, if we could, we'd love to, but we were shifted our focus to single family. As we started looking, um, we got in touch with, so my first question here is for that, after that setup is how did we find the property? We worked with a realtor in the area. I just found a, um, it was a house that was listed and I was looking in that specific area for, uh, we are also pressing into the strategy of lease options of buying homes on seller financing and lease optioning them. Uh, we're working with a coach right now, actually Jason Courtney, who was one of my earlier uh, episodes, forget which number, but it's, uh, how to build a rental portfolio using lease options and lease purchases is the name of the episode. And after the episode, I really resonated with me. So I began, uh, my wife and I began a coaching relationship with him and he's been working with us on that deal uh, strategy and approach. So that's what I was looking for when I was looking for these houses. Sometimes um, using that approach, we reach out to realtors, especially with houses just looked specifically in the right area and right criteria. And so we were reaching out about a house about with that in mind, with this realtor, that house didn't work out. It wasn't really the right fit. We thought about flipping it. We could have gotten it pretty cheap, but what just wasn't the right fit. But he was a really nice guy, and um, uh, it was kind of investor minded. Was at least uh, creative, creatively minded. He has a really unique um, business uh, that he runs with real estate. It's just a little bit different um, than your typical real estate agent. And so we were. Um, we were we built a good relationship with him at least in just that first house we just kind of hit it off and he reached back out to us a couple weeks after that and said hey i have a property that um i haven't put on the market and uh the seller is uh, pretty motivated and uh are you interested you know I, I thought you guys were a nice young couple and i'd love to give you a chance to get started 
So we thought, well, let's let's go look at it. We looked up the um, looked up the address, and it was nearby and was in the area that we're interested in. So it, it, the price looked right to begin, kind of off the bat. And in this area, things just are so expensive um, for the areas. It, it's tough to see something and right off the bat see good numbers. So we're like, all right, hey, that's promising. So he showed us um, the gentleman who sold to us uh, was a recent was recently widowed, um, and he was just going to move to the coast, sell his stuff, move to the coast, and just kind of want it out. Um, very very nice very nice gentleman. He wasn't um, he wasn't I wouldn't say like desperately motivated, but he just he wanted to move on, and so was willing to just sell it for enough to uh, make a certain X number of dollars that he had in his mind that he wanted to make in equity when he sold it, and so. Yeah, we started continuing that conversation. Um, we really liked the house. It fit kind of all of our criteria. And I'll go into more of that later. But that answers the first question. We found it with a relationship that we built with a realtor. Um, and that realtor, he he was acting obviously as the seller's agent. Uh, but we were representing ourselves as the buyer's agent. But he just, yeah, he was just working with us, said, hey, I got a property before I list it. Uh, are you interested? Do you want to look at it? So that is how we found it. Second question here is, uh, what did the due diligence phase look like? Um, so when we went and first looked at it, uh, it, it was in, is in pretty bad shape. Um, there was a lot, there's a lot of stuff, just a lot of stuff. The pool was so green. You couldn't even see like the first step in the pool, literally couldn't see like three inches down, um, there, uh, there, yeah, it was just, it was just in bad shape cosmetically, but the bones were really, really good. Uh, you could tell that right away. I think it was built in, gosh, I just bought this house. I should know this, but it's either 97 or 99. It's one of those two. Um, and, and so the bones were really good. Uh, it couldn't be too bad for being that old. We knew electric would be in good shape. We knew plumbing would be in relatively good shape. Um, and the, the roof was in really bad shape. It had been damaged three years ago in a storm and he never got it fixed. So there's uh, stains on the ceiling. Um, and we just looking at the roof from the outside, I mean, it, I, I stopped counting it like missing a hundred tabs on the roof. Um, so it was in really bad shape. Uh, but the, that, so that was probably the worst as far as like core pieces of the house, but there wasn't foundation issues. We didn't see any major, yeah, major core issues in the house. So we continued the conversation. Um, we offered, uh, I'll just to kind of give you guys, just to be transparent and give you guys some of an idea of what kind of the deal was and yeah, hopefully it's helpful to you. Um, I'll go ahead and share the numbers, but we, we, um, uh, the house, he was willing to give it to us for 210, for 210,000. The house we knew in its current shape would probably go for about 265. Uh, we knew if we fixed it up and got it nice over the year that we lived there, we thought 275, 280 would be pretty easy. And so that was super promising. I mean, th th those are numbers there. Now, granted, we want to buy and hold this. We don't want to flip it. We don't want to sell it retail. Um, so we don't really care about after repair value because we're just going to hold it forever. But we still do because it's nice to know that you wouldn't be upside down if things went you know south in the in the market and we needed to sell it. Um, so th there's plenty of space there for us to be more than comfortable. Um, when we looked at the numbers for renting it, um, we uh, I'm not going to go into all of those details here, but we were uh, we were in the black there as well. Like if we could rent it for this this amount and here's all our, all our expenses and mortgage and taxes, insurance, all that stuff, we would come out in the black. Um, not a huge amount at the beginning, but obviously 
sometimes if you can get black, we were seriously to the point where like, if you could get black at all enough to, I mean, we're still talking about putting away for CapEx, still putting away, which is capital expenditures, the big stuff, roof, uh, uh, AC, uh, electrical, some of the big stuff. We're putting away for CapEx over a long period of time. We're putting away for maintenance. So we're, we're ca- accounting for a lot of things that people normally, well, sometimes don't, they always should. Um, and we were still coming out in the black. And so if we could just get that, obviously over time uh, during, with appreciation and loan pay down, uh, that number would get larger. And so we just needed to start in the black. Um, and we were comfortably uh, comfortably positive. So we're like, all right, let's let's continue talking. So we offered, we went under contract at 210. Um, we actually went under contract actually at 218 because we were asking for 8,000 in concessions and he need he needed to get out of it 210 because he, with paying his seller's agent, um, a, a certain, you know, their amount, he needed to come out of it. I think it was like, he needed like 202 and the seller's agent was going to take eight or something like that. Um, and so he, he, he knew he needed that amount. And so we just said, all right, well, we can get you that amount, but we need, uh, eight grand in concessions. And so he did that. Um, and that we, we needed more than that. Uh, but we, we, uh, that was as much as the FHA loan would allow apparently like only percentage of the sales price were allowed in concessions when you use FHA. Um, and so we asked for that, uh, he gave it to us and yeah. And so we continued, we went into the inspection period and we got a, a professional inspection done. Um, uh, and we, yeah, we had them look through all the major areas of the house. Nothing was uh, too concerning. Again, the bones looked good. The roof, we were most concerned about the roof and the ceiling and all the wood um, in the attic and in the trusses. We were worried about that. And so that was kind of the major thing I was waiting to come back in the inspection. And it came back good. He said, listen, up there, it's, he said, it's dry. It's totally dry. And, you know, this is summer right now in Florida and it's, uh, it's been raining like, constantly. And so it wouldn't be dry if there were active leaks happening. It looks like, he said, it looks like seriously, this took one, maybe two storms of damage. Um, probably horizontal rain got up and under the shingles and into, um, the ceiling and the, um, the sheetrock up there. And that's where you see the stains. But he said, I don't think it's been actively leaking. Things look really good up there, structurally sound. And that was awesome news. Um, because yeah, that's just, that's just great news to know that there's not any major, major damage up there. Uh, but we also, you know, knew we were still going to have to replace the roof and that was going to be expensive. And that was a consideration in all of it. So the due diligence phase looked like going under a uh, contract, uh, obviously going into do the inspection period, did a visual inspection of our own, looked around. Uh, but we, you know, we've been learning for a long time and we've gone to a lot of rehab camps and practices and all that. Um, but we still have never done it for ourselves in our own property. Um, so we didn't exactly know what we were doing, but we got a professional inspection done and we really liked what we saw. Um, so that was the due diligence phase. What options um, did I consider, did my wife and I consider for funding? So what we knew we needed to do with this, because we knew it was going to need more significant work with a house hack, um, you know, you look, it would be nice if you could kind of get in there and not have a ton of, ton of work to do. But at the same time, sometimes you, I guess you kind of do look for that. You look for some, for things that you could get work done cheap um, so you can put in your sweat equity and make more money dollar for dollar um, when you finally move out and begin renting it. And so we we knew it was going to take some significant work that would take some actual contractors to come in and 
and do it. And then there was also some more cosmetic things that we could do. We wanted to make sure there were at least some things that we could do or else there's no reason to live in your own investment property while you're flipping it if there if you couldn't actually do any of it. And I'm relatively handy. Um, I like to I like to work with my hands, but I haven't ever rehabbed a house on my own. And so we knew it was going to take some some of the more major work. So anyways, all that to say, we went for a 203k rehab loan. It's FHA, like I've been saying, but it allows you to actually um, buy the house and roll in your rehab costs into the loan. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome program. I when I heard of it, I was I was like, "What? That's a thing? That's amazing!" But I also heard um, horror stories. I heard of people saying the paperwork is like a freaking sea um, of nonsense and bureaucracy and red tape, and it's really, really difficult to do. Don't get into it. it you get in over your head. I, I heard a lot of that. I heard some people say they had great experiences, but um, yeah, I, I, I was a little nervous about that, but I just thought, hey, let, let's move forward. It's the only way we're going to do this deal because it needs significant work that we can't afford out of pocket. So let's just see what it's like. I mean, I'm I'm really I'm really curious person. I love to learn, and um, it's a really effective. It feels like a really effective loan program that, if utilized correctly, it could be powerful for future deals. So, anyways. Let's let we decided to move forward with that. We applied with a local lender and started going through the process. Um, and I suppose I will go through that now, kind of how the how the the loan went in particular, how the funding process went. The loan wasn't awful. Um, it really wasn't. I, way I'll I'll just say way easier than I expected with all the horror, horror stories uh, that I heard. But it was tricky because the FHA two hundred three k loan requires. If there's, I think it's a limit. I think it's like if it requires over a certain dollar amount, geez, don't quote me on that. But like, I think it's, if it's over a certain dollar amount, it requires a general contractor. No, actually, I think if it's more than a certain number of subcontractors, they require a general contractor to oversee the work. And I believe that's three. I believe it's three subcontractors or more. A general contractor to come in and, and oversee the work. We had more than three. Um, we don't have a ton of work we have to do on it, but we do have like several several components of work. We have AC, we have plumbing, we had the roof, we had um, flooring and countertops and pool. So that's no, more than three. And um, so we had to get a general contractor to come in and, and run all those subs, but I really didn't want to pay a general contractor um, that much money and cut into our margin. So I thought, hey, I can do this but I think I could just, you know, ask a general contractor to come and consult on this for me and, um, you know, help me obviously sign off on the work and approve what's done. Uh, but we'll just kind of let me run the, the subcontractor show and I would give him more of a consulting fee rather than like a full on general contractor fee. So I found somebody who was willing to do that through a, a local real estate um, like uh, group me thread that I'm a part of. And he's been amazing. I, I, I honestly could not have asked for a better partnership. He has he has been with me every step of the way and seriously been extremely available, but has also just kind of like give me given me the room. He I, I paid him a much lower amount than he would have normally gotten. So he's been much more hands off. He's always been available for questions, but he's just kind of let me coordinate the subs, get get everything scheduled. Um, but that was that was not straightforward. I mean, that was really difficult. General contractors make money for a reason. And and part of that reason is the herding of cats that has to take place when you're hiring subcontractors and getting everybody to get back to you and um, give you the correct estimates. Anyways, without going all the way into it, it was a lot to get all the subcontractors to 
um, to find the right ones and then to get them to give me bids, the lender needed like specific uh, official letterhead um, uh, bids on each piece of the project. And then the general contractor I was working with had to sign off on all those and say, yeah, it looks like that's the right amount of work. Looks like the price is correct, whatever. And I got all that in um, to the lender. It was an okay process. The lender, um, it was it was okay. My relationship with my lender, I don't want to just um, trash them on here, but it <clears throat> it they didn't really keep me too informed along the way. So I was in the dark a lot, but they were really nice and like helpful to work with as far as um, really flexible. They knew I was, I had this relationship with the GC and it wasn't like official, official, but he was still going to sign off on all the work and make sure everything was kosher by the time we ended. But um, so they were flexible in that way, which w- was helpful. And in the end, we got, I got all the bids in, I got everything submitted, the general contractor signed off on everything. And it, and it wasn't as red tapey as I thought maybe it would be. I thought I would submit the bids and I would get back a rejection like, no, you can't pay this much for this and this much for this. It has to be this and this and it has to be this percentage of this. It wasn't any of that. I submitted the bid and it was approved um, the way I submitted it. And I overshot a lot because what you can do with an FHA 203K is uh, overestimate. And then anything you don't use, they'll just roll into the principle of the loan. So I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. So I'll just overestimate. I mean, I wasn't um, ridiculous with it, but I always overshot versus undershot to make sure we'd be covered they have con- some contingency baked in there anyways um, to cover you. And so, yeah, I just, I felt comfortable, even though I'd never done this before. I felt pretty comfortable with the prices I was getting and the GC uh, let me use some of his, the general contractor let me use some of his guys. So I got some cheaper prices, which is awesome. Flooring guy, countertop guy, which is way cheaper than just going and, you know, finding something on Angie's list or something or um, home advisor or whatever. And so, yeah, prices were good. Uh, I submitted everything and the bid was uh, approved. Um, and that was awesome. The, the, the loan got, uh, the loan as a whole got approved. And I was all in all with a 203K loan, I was pleasantly surprised. I would totally use it again. Don't think I would use my lender again. I just, I just was, yeah, I was really kept in the dark, not communicated well with. And I just wish I would have. Yeah, known more along the way. It just would have been more helpful. So probably wouldn't use them again, but would totally do the 203K again and um, was thankful we had that opportunity. So um, that is funding. Uh, and then seller negotiations once under contract. Um, there wasn't too, too much there. We, he's a really nice man. Um, we had a couple different kind of like gentlemen's agreements where I told, you know, he, he had a lot in there in the house, just a lot, like a lot of, um, trash and a lot of stuff in the backyard. There's like a old mower parked with all, you know, grass growing up uh, all over it. I mean, that's just like the, the least of it, but stuff like that. And I told him his name's Elmer. And I just, Elmer, you just, you just leave what you need to, and we'll figure it out. And I knew that was dangerous. And he ended up leaving a, a lot, like a lot, a lot. But um, I, we we really were happy to figure that out. I mean, he's in a difficult place and um, needs to just move and get away from it. And you can tell his life was a little upside down. I think his wife was a real rock for him. And it was, that's hard to see. So um, we just said, leave what you need to and we'll figure it out. And so we kind of had that agreement. Um, and then he also had some things that were more valuable that he knew he couldn't move that I said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll definitely take those. One was a riding lawnmower. One was um, there were some power tools in the garage. He was a woodworker. And so I bought some of those off him by rolling that price into the loan, just offering a little bit more for the house, a couple grand more. 
Um, and that was that was uh, really straightforward. And then the biggest thing that we worked with as far as negotiations with the seller was we found out that the roof had never been claimed. Insurance had never been claimed. And it had been within three years. And so we asked him, we were like, why, you know, why didn't you claim? He said, well, the deductible is $5,000. I don't have $5,000. And we looked more into that. And the uh, the deductible wasn't five thousand dollars; it was fifteen hundred, which felt way more reasonable. And I talked, uh, I started poking around, and I, well, first I asked him, "Are you willing to claim, Elmer? Are you willing to claim?" And he said, "Yeah, totally. Give me a couple extra thousand on the house <clears throat> to kind of make it worth my while, and I'll go through the process and I'll claim." And I reached out to a couple different roofers, and one of them that I talked to said, "Hey, you know, I can absolutely get you the money. Hopefully, get you enough money that it would cover your roof and your deductible, so you'd be, actually be zero out of pocket." And so we thought that sounded extremely compelling versus, um, you know, 12, 15, 16 grand, whatever it was going to be for the roof. I think I was quoted like one was 12, one was 14, one was 15, something like that for the roof. And so, yeah, Elmer was awesome and worked with us to go ahead and go through that process. You know, that's, that's never fun to like claim, but he did that and we paid him 2000 extra on the house. Um, and the deductible was totally covered by uh, what the uh, roofer was able to get from the insurance company. And so we got a roof for two grand and two grand that was able to be rolled into a loan amortized over 30 years. So we were super happy with that. Um, that was, yeah, that was one of the most compelling parts about this deal was we got a great roof, 20 year warranty, brand spanking new for two grand that we amortized over 30 years. So that's really awesome. Um, and so that was probably the biggest bit of negotiation with the seller was to get all that in place and make sure we agreed on that or whatever. But other than that, other than that and the, the concessions that we asked for the eight grand of concessions, it was all pretty straightforward with the seller. Um, the next piece I had, Oh, was a two or three K process, but I broke that down for you. Um, kind of told you more about that. What else would be helpful to know, as you can tell, this is pretty off the cuff. I'm pretty much staying in line with the show and being super, super informal. So this is what informal gets you some pausing. Um, but what else would be helpful? We have a lot of work to do on the house. Um, it is, like I said, Elmer left a lot, <laughs> like way, to be honest, way more than I thought he was going to, but I knew that was a risk. Um, some of it will be able to sell. I mean, legitimately sell, um, which I'm really thankful for. There's an air compressor back there and a pressure washer and things that, um, <clears throat> that you know, we'll, we'll look at it. And if it's not in the shape that we want or whatever, if I decide I don't need it, um, we'll sell it. And we'll, we actually have to break our lease now on our rental property in order to move. And so hopefully we can cover that amount. It's two months of rent, which is super lame, but we, I think we can cover that with what we're able to sell. And so in the end, that's great. It's a lot of straight up trash and it's big trash, um, stuff we can't just throw into the garbage. So I don't know what we're going to do. We got to figure that out. But, um, he just, he was actually out today was his last day. We gave him a week after closing to kind of get his stuff out and get prepared for the move. And, uh, we went over there and it's, uh, is very dirty. So we have to, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, more of cosmetic general cleanup than I thought we were going to have to do in all of this. I thought, you know, okay, we're going to replace these. I'm going to put this. It's a, oh, I didn't even tell you this, but it's, um, it's a three, two. Uh, yeah, I should have told you this a while ago when I was talking about the price, but it's a three, two, 1700 square foot and has an office. And we're going to convert that for that fourth room, that office into a bedroom. We'll put a closet in. We'll, uh, replace the vanity in the master bed and, uh, maybe in the, in the guest 
uh, sorry, in the master bath and maybe in the guest bath. Um, you know, well, I don't know, basic stuff. Well, I have a whole list of things. We'll take out the toilets. Well, um, things that we can do while we're there and do ourselves. And then we have the subs coming in for some, some of the bigger pieces, like I said, flooring, countertops, pool, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, over the year, um, we'll do that stuff. We'll do that stuff ourselves. And hopefully, I mean, the kind of the idea is to do it for hopefully pennies on the dollar or maybe 50 cents on the dollar, just cheaper. Um, cause we can do it ourselves while we're there. <clears throat> we'll replace all the lighting fixtures. I'm going to go in there so we don't move for another couple of weeks so we can have our chance to get packed here, move over there, get the rental house back and move in ready shape for the landlord. Um, and so I'm going over there to paint uh, every room, every square inch of the place here in the next week or so. Um, doing that ourselves, saving on the labor for that. Um, yeah, just gen- in general, just doing things ourselves to save as much as we can. And then the subs we were able to get, uh, some of them we were able to get really good prices on because our awesome general contractor that we worked with. And so we do have some work ahead of us. Um, all in all, the the numbers the numbers worked. Uh, we were super, super thankful for the, um, for the agent that reached out and just did us a solid. To be honest, I kept waiting for like to see something in the numbers, to see some line item on something from the title agency or something title company to say, to look at it and be like, Oh, that's where they, that's where he made his money. Okay. This wasn't just him doing us a solid. He, that's where he made his money. But really, I mean, he, he really did a kind thing for us and he, we hit it off. He saw we were a young couple trying to get started and he just threw us a bone, like a house that was in great, um, found the foundation of it was in great shape. The core of it was in great shape. He knew he needed some cleanup. He knew we were good with that and that we were investor minded and like, we're, that's kind of what we were looking for. And so he just hit us up before he listed it and he was able to get, negotiate a really, really decent price starting the starting the starting price was really reasonable. We didn't even have to talk him down. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're really thankful for him. the The numbers work in the end. I suppose I could go all the way into like a breakdown of how the rental numbers were, would work, but I don't know. That just doesn't seem like it would be helpful in a podcast. You're probably driving right now, anyways, and so to do numbers in your head probably wouldn't be helpful. But we were black at the end of um, taking out all the uh, the expenses, um, obviously minus uh, the mortgage as well, and we could still come out uh, with putting putting money away every month. We we we'll see, we'll see how, what we do with the cash flow. It's not a ton. I believe we're at like 280 or 300 after everything, what we're pulling home, uh, to in, in net profit. But, um, we'll just, we'll either just dump that back into the mortgage or we just will start sticking it into a, uh, like just for me, I just want, we, I mean, we used all of our money for our down payment. And so we don't have much cash. I mean, I have some in the market, but it's not enough to, you know, if something goes really, really wrong with the house. So I think we'll probably just start dumping it in a rainy day fund for the house itself. Um, uh, I, I need to look at my numbers and actually do some research on percentages, but I think you're supposed to get up to like, I think six months rent or something just in like a, a, a bubble account to just, yeah, to save you if something goes wrong. So we'll probably stick away our cash flow in that until we get to a comfortable amount. Um, and then, yeah, who knows? We start we'll probably, I mean, we won't use it to spend it. So we'll probably start putting it away um, for our next property. Who, who knows? We, we hope to do this another 
Oh, hope to do this another two times um, so that we uh, we don't buy a house for us until we have three investment properties that we purchased and are now renting and, and, and cash flowing on every month. Uh, but we'll see how it works, see what happens with our family and um, how, how it all times out. But that's that's our goal is to do three years, three houses, and then move on from there um, and uh, hopefully buy a home actually for ourselves or we can actually settle into. Uh, but we'll we'll see. So, yeah, I hope that was helpful for you guys. Um, yeah, I, I really hope it was helpful. I don't even know. I don't know if it was. But there's some numbers and some relatively straightforward information about the house I would love it if you guys would ask me questions about it. If you guys have specific things that you thought, oh, hey, you didn't cover this, but I would love to know how it, um, how this turned out or how it ended up, how you approached it. Um, I do plan to do another one of these deal diaries with the house after the rehab, um, after at least the core of it, like where we have the subs come in and we get a lot of this stuff done and we've moved in. I looked. I, I would like to do another one of these where I look back and say, here's how the rehab went. Here's how... Um, yeah, here's now that we're settled in, here's what was harder than we thought, here's what was easier than we thought, here's what we learned, and just do a kind of a general reflection there. But if you guys have questions on what I just talked about, I would love to answer them. Uh, I would love to talk to you about it. You can reach out to me at Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, at realestatefortherestofus.com, or I post this on the website, realestatefortherestofus.com. I post all the episodes as a blog post on the site. And there's a, there's a comment section on every blog post. So you can comment there and ask me your questions. I'd be happy to answer them. I am here guys to be super unintimidating, super approachable, uh, and just super down to earth about this stuff because it just feels like sometimes it's hard to find in real estate. People that are just real talk and, uh, people that are just like normal. And I'm pretty normal. So uh, reach out if you want to. And I would love to answer your questions. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Hopefully I can tune in for, uh, I could uh, do another one of these when we are on the other side of the rehab. Um, But until then, thanks so much for listening, guys. Appreciate all of you. Have a good one. If you guys enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. That actually helps a lot to get the podcast out there as people are looking for helpful real estate investing resources online. You can also like our Facebook page to keep up to date with new episodes as they publish. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever podcast player that you use. If you have questions about a specific topic that we covered, or if you have a suggestion about another area that you'd like to see me dig into, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. I'd love to get in touch. You can email me at brandon at realestatefortherestofus.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One show at a time, we'll work to make real estate investing accessible for the rest of us.